Morning, everyone. Great to see everybody. Could you go to the slide before? Uh, what I want to do is just let you know what's happening in our church this week. It's something new we're going to be doing each week to inspire you to come to the events, to remind you how, an amazing, how amazing our church is, that we have something for everybody. And uh, just to highlight, something that's not on the slide uh, is very exciting. Uh, one of our uh, two of our sisters in the church, uh, Katrina McKinley in the singles ministry, reached out to her mom for the last umpteen years, baptized her mom at Avenue C a few years ago, and today, Katrina and her mom are going to go baptize uh, um, uh, Helen, her mom's niece, who she became guardian for, uh, Jasmine. So Jasmine's going to get baptized. Jasmine, stand up again. Jasmine, go ahead and stand up again. We're going to give you a good... So, this church is so exciting, everything that's happening wouldn't even fit on one slide. And so that's today. Then our singles ministry, we don't have to hoot and holler, our singles ministry on Wednesday has a midweek of over 200 singles from all along the coast uh, that meet together in, the, in uh, El Segundo. And uh, we're doing a series right now that I'm teaching on out of the Sermon on the Mount called Inside Matters, talking about what's going on in the inside and how it affects the outside of our whole life. Then Friday night here in the South Bay, there's small group discussions, if that's interesting to you, uh, for the singles ministry. And then Saturday of this week, uh, Ana Barmea, unfortunately for us, is moving to Denver, or moving to Colorado. She's been part of the South Bay Church, Coastal Church, for many, many years, and there's going to be a going away party uh, there for her this Saturday night, which we're really sad about, but happy for her. The team ministry this next Saturday, 10.30 a.m., is going to the um, Magic Mountain, and uh, that's $30. There's tickets in the office, and I mean in the lobby. And then um, if you're in the family ministry, we're meeting by families, married couples, kids, everybody, uh, throughout the week in different times, and we're having a time of food, time in the Word, a time of singing, a time of fun uh, with all the different small groups made up of families, getting the whole family involved. It's an incredible time. And then finally, next Saturday, if you'd like to serve the needy, uh, there's a group going down to the L.A. Food Bank to, to uh, pack food to feed those that are uh, less fortunate than us uh, all over L.A. So you can see that uh, table in the lobby, our community service table as well. But there's some things uh, going on there in the church uh, that you can get excited about. And then this just in, if you have a gold Isuzu, your lights are on. Uh, I know there's not a lot of gold Isuzu, so I'm not going to read the license plate number. Gold Isuzu, your lights are on. Okay, here we go. Now we're going to get in the Word. Ephesians chapter 4 is going to be kind of the backdrop of our text today. And, um, you know, when you think of the whole idea of truthful, it brings up different connotations for everybody. Um, I'm not talking today about lying. I'm talking today about how the Bible talks a lot about how love has to be truthful. And we've been doing a series called Love Works, and we've talked about patience, and we've talked about, what else? Kindness, and we've talked about selflessness, and lots of different topics. Today is about being truthful. And, um, you know, this is a challenge. It's a challenge to be truthful. People always come to you after a haircut, and they say, do you like my hair? Uh, do you know who that is? Yeah, that was my... I looked almost exactly like that in sixth grade. That was my sixth grade picture. Down the middle, feathered over the ears. 
and I had a beige shirt like that. I should have put it side by side, but I don't have it. You would have liked it. But you know, that's a challenge when someone comes to you. Do you like my hair? Uh, yeah, it's different. It's becoming. Um, but you know, that's kind of a shallow thing. Or maybe someone says, do you like my outfit? How about this guy? Um, you know, maybe some of you guys like that outfit. Not something I'd be wearing out on the boardwalk or to work or anything like that. But that's on the, it's on the, you know, fashion today right there. But you know, those again, people, hey, do you like what I'm wearing? Well, they're not going to go change in their car. Or, what do you say? But I'm talking deeper than that. Do you like my hair? 1 Corinthians 13.6 says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You know, there's something powerful about the truth. And, you know, even a lot of libraries will take the quote from Jesus and have it in their library there, the truth will set you free. And they're talking about just human knowledge. But there's something so much more powerful about using the Scriptures and the principles of God and of Jesus to help guide people in their lives and to receive guidance in our lives. That goes way beyond a library or a university or a professor or education. And let me just say this. To learn how to tell the truth to people and to learn how to receive the truth to people is hard. It is a learned art. It's not a science. You can't just figure it out in a book. It's nuanced because every one of us is fragile. Every one of us is a composite of a lot of different things. And so we've got to keep that in mind that if we're going to be people that tell the truth and receive the truth, it's something that has to be learned, but it's something that has to do and be based upon in love. That was God's plan, is that we'd help each other. So what I'm going to do today is we're going to look at two sections in Ephesians 4, kind of laying the background or the backdrop of being truthful. And then what we'll do is we're going to look at Proverbs 16. I call it the truth chapter. And we're going to look through the whole chapter, not every verse, but give you some practicals, because Proverbs are what are called maxims, like one-sentence statements that are super simple to grasp, but deep when you think about them. And they're practical. They tell you how to do it. And so we're going to do that, and then I'm going to give you some questions for reflection to ask yourself. You know, every culture realizes the value of the truth. Here's a Jewish proverb, better the ugly truth than a beautiful lie. You know, it's always easier to sometimes tell the truth than to receive the truth for some. Love the truth, though it may do you harm. Hate the lie, though it may please you. So here you have the Jews and the Arabs getting along right there. Every culture has proverbs that aren't biblical. They're maxims. They're little nuggets of truth that talk about the value of having the truth in your life. You know, when you think about truth, I want you to think about today, it's not just telling the truth to people, but it's timing. And if you want to study more about this, read the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of verses that talk about the timing I'm not going to get into today at all. The timing of telling someone the truth. I know sometimes I can tell the truth out of anxiety, out of urgency, out of fear, out of impatience, out of you're aggravating me, and so I can just tell the truth. It's true. There. Period. Exclamation mark. Underline. Bold. I said it. But the timing was way off. I want you to think a lot about the tone. How we say something 
is sometimes even more important than if we said it at all or what we said. And then the tact. It takes a lot of tact. And we need to be very gracious with each other, with ourselves. It is an art, not a science. Ephesians chapter 4, our first passage we'll look at, verse 15 and 16. It's interesting, the context. I'd never seen this before. But Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's talking about the need to mature. That there were all kinds of things going on in the church. And he's, he, right before this, whenever you see the word instead, therefore, because of, you should read what happened before, I'm not going to today. But right before this, he's talking about immaturity. And not being like an infant, because you know, an infant doesn't know much. Not being like an infant that's tossed this way and that way and this way and that way and just all over by emotions or lack of knowledge or just immaturity. He says, and then he transitions into this, he says to the church, instead, speaking the truth in love. I thought kind of how interesting that he's talking about the church being stable, it's people being stable, and he's saying one of the key elements of that is that we are speaking to each other the truth in love. And then look what he says happens. We will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. See, the goal of speaking the truth isn't just to get something off your chest. It's not just to show people how insightful you are, how right you are. The goal of speaking the truth is that it would help someone else form, shape, mold themselves and God's Spirit molding them more into being like Christ. Not just to have a better life. You're never going to get to a point where you go, you know what? Cruise control for me from here on out. I see heaven in the distance and here we go. That's a, a delusion and an illusion. And I'll talk more about that later. But every one of us has to be humble seekers of the truth and receivers of the truth and givers of the truth. It says we'll grow up. We'll mature from Him. And then from that, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. There's the word again, as each part does its work. And so what's he talking about here? He's talking about part of the work of the church is speaking the truth in love. Speaking it to people that don't know anything about God in love. The Bible talks about doing it with gentleness and respect. But part of speaking the truth is talking to someone that you don't know if they know anything about God or how much or whatever and just putting your courage on the line and say, you know what, I'm just going to speak the truth. And I've said some very hard things to non-Christian people before. And I've done it really well. And it's really helped them. And I've said some very hard things and I've done it really wrong. And it's hurt them. It's learning. But if I do it in love and I think about I want this person to be like Christ, it helps temper that. But the Bible teaches that the church grows. The church builds itself up versus tearing itself down. In love, if each part is doing its work and speaking the truth in love. You know, in our church, we have what's called discipling relationships. Discipling is another word for teaching or instruction. And I've said this many years, many people use that relationship like the red phone. You know what the red phone is? It's red for a reason. 
You don't go, huh, that phone over here is red. Is that, like, artistic? Or, you just know emergency. Just like the red things, you know, you pull down, the fire alarms are red for a reason, and the fire extinguisher is red for a reason. The red phone is red for a reason. And I think a lot of people use this relationship, this partnership, as glad it's there, won't pick up the phone unless there's crisis. And I'm not just talking a phone, I'm talking be engaged in the relationship. Or often the phone has a receiver in it. Many of you that are older, like myself, you could unscrew the receiver and you could take out the earpiece. And you ever do that as a joke? Your, your, your brother picks up the phone. Hello? Hello? Oh, they're, they're not, I can't hear anything. They're like, I, put, I took out the little diaphragm thing. Hold on, let me you screw it, put it back in and screw it back. Some of you are looking at me. Well, that's how a phone used to be. You'd start it like this or like this. And somebody would go, hello, who's this? It's Marco. And then he put, no, I was, I'm not that old. But, but some of us, with the truth, we don't have the receiver, the earpiece. We can only talk. We only tell the truth, but we don't receive it. Others of us, we have the earpiece, but no talking piece. And the Bible's teaching that if the church is going to be healthy, it's got to be both ways. And it has to involve everyone. And it can't just be during crisis. It is interesting, though, even those that lean the least on other people spiritually, during crisis, they want help. I commend you for that, but I'll tell you, your growth is very limited. Your ligaments will stay weak if your only time of reaching out is in crisis. Keep reaching out in crisis, but don't limit it to that. And I think we need to be careful as we tell the truth or receive the truth to not be the church lady. Remember the church lady from SNL? Unfortunately, parents, as much as we try, we often sometimes, depending on you, we can go into the church lady mode. My daughters will say, Dad, is this a lecture? No, it's not a lecture. It's just a lesson. Turning into a lecture. It's not a lecture. There's some wisdom here. I call it Marco's morsels. Just some morsels. I'm packing your pouch for when you move on. It's a velvet pouch. I told them gold or purple hanging from your belt. You just put the morsels in there and you can nibble them on them later in life. Marco's morsels. Not a lecture. But you know what? Sometimes it's a morsel that's a lecture in disguise. But we've got to be careful to not be finger waggers. Know-it-alls. We have to resist the urge. Or sometimes we can be like this. When we're telling the truth. You know, early on in our marriage, I was, the, I was kind of proud of myself how bold and insightful I was about everything. I didn't have the face like that, but inside, that's kind of how Michelle could see me. And that was my inner being right there. And I was just correcting her about everything. Because I could see it was true. And I'm helping her out. I'm, God tells me to, right? Well, not like that. And it hurt her a lot early on in our marriage. Did we have any other judges in the room? Okay, the seven of us, eleven of us. Some of you guys are liars. That would be another lesson on truth, but deceit. But I didn't know better. And, and I, later on in my marriage, I became a conflict avoider. Because I realized, boy, I don't really know. I'm not very good at this. And I know the, the, the mallet doesn't work very well, or the gavel, I mean, doesn't work very well, nor does the face. And I've had to learn, and I'm still learning, how do you bring the truth in a way that's helpful to where people can hear it? Here's the second part of Ephesians 4. 
We know this verse. I think Brian referred to it or somebody did in one of our lessons. He says, and there's some great tips right here for you. Do not let, which means in our emotion, it's going to come out. You literally have to grab it like the reins of a horse. Not that most of us have ever ridden a horse. Like the steering wheel. You've got to grab it and have control over your heart and your tongue. Otherwise, out it is. Once it's out, just like the send button on text and email, you can't go, ah, I want it back. Gone. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I could just say amen and we could all leave and that would be convicted enough and helped enough right there. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And this is interesting. Look what he says right after that. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I never saw this before. I saw the verse, but I never thought about this. That God loves human beings so much. And God knows that every human being is fragile and complicated and has needs. And, you know, they're trying. But he cares about how we treat each other. Both in saying something and in not saying something. Like, we should have said something and we didn't. He really cares. And so there's some really good tips right here that you can kind of ask yourself, is this helpful? Am I building them up or am I tearing them down? Is this about their needs or my needs? I need this house clean. I need to be respected. I need to... You know what I'm saying? Is it about their needs or my needs? Because often when it's about their needs or my you know my needs, then that's what comes through in the tone, the ta- lack of tact, and in the lack of timing. And then does it benefit them? So here's just a good help, a quick test before you go talk to somebody about anything. Is this going to be helpful? Not for me. I said it. I feel better. Well, that's good. Do they? Has it helped them? Has it benefited them? Did they listen? Are they listening? Did you set it up where they could listen? I just tell it like it is. That's how I roll. Well, then you'll have a very small audience with people you roll with. This is hard, but it's such a great test. Is it helpful? Is it building up? Is it for their needs? And does it benefit them? You know, table salt, I know we're not supposed to eat it, especially as we get older. Boy, I like it. Not too much. Table salt's made up of two things. Sodium, which is an extremely active element, found naturally only in combined form, it always is an element that links to another element. And the other element it links to is chlorine. Where you put in your pool, or like they used in World War I, chlorine gas. A very dangerous element, very poisonous element, that by itself it would kill you. But, you know... Put together, we have common table salt that brings, preserves meat, brings out its flavor. And love and truth can be like sodium and chlorine. Love without truth is flighty, sometimes blind, soft. It, it doesn't, sometimes it's not even helpful. It's just nice. On the other hand, truth without love by itself can be offensive, hurtful, wound in the wrong way, and even sometimes poisonous for the person that inhaled it. And God is so wise 
that he says, love must always rejoice with the truth. And love is telling the truth, but telling it from a proper place. Truth spoken without love can turn people away from God, but truth and love combined, we can become the salt of the earth to each other and to this lost world. I have one point I'd just like you to take away, and then we're going to jump into practicals in Proverbs 16. Decide to speak and receive the truth in love. You know, I thought a lot about this. Every one of us is probably better at one or the other. How about you? I've found that when I'm probably better at receiving the truth with some and giving the truth to others, speaking the truth to others. And then I'm not so strong at speaking the truth with some and not so strong in receiving the truth from others. Who do you think I probably have the hardest time receiving the truth from? Yes, yes, and yes. Why? Because there, I'm the most myself. And I feel the greatest need, but the hardest challenge, to really be like Christ. Which area are you stronger in? Speaking the truth? Receiving the truth? Maybe you're not good at either. That's okay. You can learn. Both are learned. You know, Danielle went on this trip this summer, did three-week canoe trip in the Boundary Waters. And it's all about learning and self-discovery and leadership and overcoming, and it was brutally hard. And she said, Dad, one of the instructors, I'm just going to make up a name to protect him just in case you go on the course. Uh, his name was Tom. He was about 50, 55 years old, a massage therapist, but then also worked in these Boundary Waters. And she goes, Dad, this guy was so philosophical and so long-winded, it was killing us. In fact, because what you do is you go out and you just canoe for, you know, 50 miles or 30 miles that day and start at like, it gets really light early and really late, late because of the, where it's at. And she said, we come back and we pull everything off and then we have to have lesson time, you know, like. And she would be, we'd be like, hey, Tom, can you keep it short tonight? We're all really tired. And she said, Dad, it was so funny because he was deep and really philosophical and sometimes it was really good. Like, he'd be like, a life is like a river that bends and flows. And we have to stay. You know, he'd always just be given these nuggets. And he'd go on and on, and people would start falling asleep because they'd been canoeing for 10 hours and up since 4. And, you know, just beat. He'd be going on and on. And he said, but Dad, any time we would try to add in, he'd go, okay, that's enough, that's enough. We don't want to hear anymore. They'd say, like, hey, Tom, so what you're saying is, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's enough, that's enough. So he was great at giving the truth. But there was no two-way. There was no receiving it, listening, wanting dialogue. And I think we have to be careful. Whether we're older, so we think we're now in the dispensing phase, we just dispense. I call it the wise owl syndrome. You just sit in your knot, you know, the whole, you pop out and give wisdom. Seriously. Whether we're older and feel like I just give, I don't receive, or whether we're younger and feel like I have nothing to give, and I really have a hard time receiving from anybody, it doesn't matter. It's timeless. It's ageless. We all need to be givers of the truth and receivers of the truth, but to do it in love. It's hard to do. But God wants us to. So now I'm going to give you some practicals from Proverbs 16, the speaking the truth chapter. 
here's some things that we're going to look at. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we think it's speaking the truth and we think it's just heavy and bad and doomsday. Well, speaking the truth could be encouragement. I've met people that say, I don't encourage because they don't deserve it. They shouldn't need it. I didn't get it. Well, that's the problem. Why you're even saying it the way you are. So let me encourage you. Give some encouragement see how you feel. The Bible says a generous man will prosper. He refreshes others. Proverbs 11.25 will himself be refreshed. You might get some refreshment that might make you more encouraging. But encouragement is a form of speaking the truth. It's giving someone courage, encourage, to give courage, to giving them courage to keep on keeping on, or to tackle something, or to overcome, or just hope. You know, I'm, I've shared this a little bit. One of the things that helped me the most during the leave, because I had never felt just this low, this weak, and this sad. Not to feel sorry, I'm just being vulnerable. And I've, Andy and Karina gave me a lot of hope. I needed it. God knew the type of person. I, need, I didn't even know them that well. But with all they've been through, there was a level of empathy, acceptance, Patience, lack of judgment, but speaking the truth. And lots of it, but with a lot of love, more than I deserved. Man, that helped me. That helped me not quit. If I hadn't had that, I don't know what would happen. But encouragement's so powerful, and some of us are really good at it, good at it, and others of us are really shallow, or it just you have to do something monumental to receive it. Encouragement is a form of speaking the truth. Correction is a form of speaking the truth. Well, I don't like correction, but the Bible says if I hate it, I'm stupid. It's a proverb. You can go read it. I'm not calling anyone a name. He who hates correction says it's stupid. But it's part of speaking the truth. Training. We get trained in everything. It's part of speaking the truth. Warning people. Reminding. Confronting. Teaching. And I'm sure there's a few others, but there's a lot of ways to speak the truth in love, that's not just correction. But I think sometimes when we think about speaking the truth in love, we think about just correction. I found this uh, quote about this woman. I'm going to assume it was about her husband. But she said this, I made him swear, her husband, he'd always tell me nothing but the truth. I promised him I would never resent it. No matter how unbearable, how harsh, how cruel, how come he thought I meant it? See, sometimes we're like, bring it on, I want the truth. Until we get it, we realize, wow, this is true and it's hard. You know, without receiving the truth in your life, you'll petrify. You know, petrified wood. Without receiving the truth in your life, you'll stagnate. We all need to be givers and receivers of the truth. So here, let's, let's give you some tips here. Practicals. From the Proverbs. Here we go. Proverbs 16.5. We're going to just blaze through a few of them. They're simple. They're short. And they make complete sense. Even if you don't know the Bible. Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. I thought what was interesting in both these verses is you can not look agitated, but be proud of heart. You can pretend like you're receiving the truth, 
but be proud of heart. Your face may look humble. Your posture may be humble. You may look like you're receiving the truth, but be proud of heart. Or you may have a haughty spirit, which people can see maybe or cannot see. But there's something that's on the inside, the heart and the spirits. And the Bible talks so much about being humble in receiving the truth. You know, there's a lot of ways to view handling the truth. There's a famous, or there's an old story about a desert nomad. And he was out in the uh, wilderness, the desert there, and he was hungry. He woke up in the middle of the night. Now, I don't know many people that wake up in the middle of the night and go eat something, but maybe you're one of those. I've just never met somebody that does that. I've eaten before. I went to bed, unfortunately, but not in the middle of the night. But this guy got hungry in the middle of the night, so he gets up from his, his sleeping bedroll there. He grabs a candle. He lights the candle. He grabs his little basket of dates. And he starts eating them. And midway through, he notices something moving in his mouth. And he's like, this is rotten. He throws it out, spits it out, throws it out of the tent. Grabs another one. This is rotten too. Grabs another one. Throws it out of the tent and then realizes, I'm going to go hungry. So he blows out the candle and he eats the rest. You know, a lot of us don't want to see the truth about ourselves. It's too hard. So we'd rather blow out the candle rather than have faith that we're not going to fold if we're willing to see the truth. And you know, something I've done over the years is invited people in to to correct me. Now, I've gotten a lot of correction that wasn't invited, but that's another lesson that that I can tell you about, and that's that's something you've got to process. But I've said, hey, what do you see that I need to change? Try that sometime. And then write it down. It's a great, it's kind of giving somebody the license, inviting them in, would would you help me? This is an area of weakness. What do you see? Um, And then another way to even do it. When you're giving the truth to somebody, you could say to them, hey, is this a good time for me to share something with you that I've been thinking about, that God has put on my heart? Can I share it with you? Giving them the option to say, not right now is not a good time, but I know they want to tell me something, so I better go get on my humble helmet and my humble outfit and my humble harness and everything else that rhymes with H or, to get myself ready to receive. But showing respect when you do it. Hey, can I share with you something I see? Something that might be helpful to you. Being considerate and gentle and respectful, but truthful as you're telling the truth, but then also receiving the truth. You know, every one of us has insecurities. Who, who has an insecurity? Okay? Everybody does. Every one of us has things we need to change. And do you ever wonder why people sometimes don't tell you? There's a guy in the bomb squad right there. His helmet is the 2,000 helmet, which means it can handle 2,000 FPS, 2,000 fragments per second. Uh, over 2,000 fragments per second can hit his helmet without him going down. And then it you know, goes down, and the, vi- you know, the visor's set, got 2115 because the eyes need to be protected the most there. Fragments per second, 2300. And then it goes less and less from there. But sometimes you don't receive much truth because people feel like they've got to don the bomb squad suit to come talk to you. Can I tell you something? Is this a good time? <laughs> it's taking me about two hours to suit up, so I really hope it is because 
I don't want to have to come back. And I can't walk really well in this thing, and it's kind of steaming up the mask. But go ahead. Yeah, you know, I don't, I'm feeling really safe to tell you. You know, when I was a young Christian, I was criticized a lot growing up. And how I dealt with it was I fought back, and I hardened my heart to it. I just put more fought back. And so when I became a disciple, this whole idea of friends correcting friends was like, what is this? And I remember one time somebody was talking to me about my pride, and I was so defensive, like deeply, deeply defensive. I did not want to hear it because I didn't want to feel bad about myself. And I literally stopped myself. And I said maybe ten times, I stopped listening to the person because I just didn't want to get defensive. Marco, he's helping you, not hurting you. 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 And I said it inside, not out loud. Just so I could put the walls down, put the shields down, and decide I need to receive this. Because he's helping me, not hurting me. Because a lot of times I got in criticism, it was everything wrong. It wasn't a help, and there was no follow up. I think we've got to ask ourselves sometimes how easy do we make it for people to approach us? How often do we invite? Do we make people put on the bomb squad suit? If that's the case, you're going to be very undeveloped as a Christian or as a person. Because few people will come and after they walk through the landmine zone then come up with the bomb. They just won't do it. So we have to take responsibility or we should take responsibility for how we are to provide an environment for people to speak to us about things. And I'm not just talking correction. I'm talking teaching. I'm talking instruction. I'm talking kind of a whole gamut that we're receptive, that we allow ourselves. Here's another one. I thought this was really interesting. Proverbs 16.10 says, The lips of a king speak as an oracle, and his mouth should not betray justice. I'll explain in a second. Proverbs 16.13 says, Kings take pleasure in honest lips, They value a man who speaks the truth. So, two things about leadership. Every one of us is under leadership. Right? Got your boss, got your landlord, family, maybe you're a kid and you got your dad, got your church leader, got the legal authority, you got all kinds of authority and leadership. And Look what it says in the second verse. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. So it's our responsibility under leadership to speak the truth. But how? In love. But to care enough to speak the truth. The king, it says, takes pleasure in honest lips. They value a man. Because most people don't want to speak around the king. Why? Because he might take my land. He might put me on the blacklist. He might this or that. He might get mad. I don't want to speak around him. The Bible says a good leader values people that speak the truth. Then it says the lips of a king. So if you're in a place of authority at your job, with your family, with your wife, he says be careful with your mouth. Be careful about how you speak because people are supposed to follow. Use that authority with your mouth. Righteously and carefully and in love 
when you speak the truth. Proverbs 16, 16, you don't just get this wisdom. It says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To choose understanding rather than silver. You ever heard somebody saying, you've got to listen to this. This is gold. And as people are helping us, encouraging us, teaching us, correcting us, training us, I didn't even put on the rebuking us because it doesn't happen very often, but it does, and I've received my fair share of rebukes. I don't like them. The Bible says I don't have to. But I should listen if, because the Bible says better is an open rebuke than hidden love. But there's teaching, instruction, all of it. And he says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? People will go to any end of the world for an education or to do an investment or to better themselves or to better their children or to get, in, to get gold or silver, to better themselves. He says, how much better? That energy that you know how to put there, how much better if you put that energy as well into getting wisdom and choosing understanding? It took a lot of focus and energy and effort to get those other things. It takes a lot of energy and focus and determination and perseverance to get wisdom and to get understanding. And when people are speaking the truth to us or we want to help somebody else with the truth, we've got to realize this is better than gold. This is better than silver. It's better to choose understanding. How do you get understanding? What's this person trying to say to me? And you spiritually discern it and get help. Proverbs 16, 21 and 24. We'll look at one last verse here in Proverbs 16. Look what it says here. This is really interesting about how to do it. The wise and hard are called discerning, and pleasant words promote instruction. Understanding is a fountain of life to those who have it, but folly brings punishment to fools. A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. You know, what an interesting passage. Do your words promote instruction? Yeah, I told the person. I told them everything. Did they receive it? Did they listen? Did you say it in such a way that it was healing? Helpful? Built them up? Benefited them? Did they say it, well, did you say it in a pleasant way? Because the Bible says a gentle word can break a bone. Gentle, you can't be loving, you can't say I'm gentle without loving. Love is gentle. But I just thought it was interesting that over and over again, he talks about how valuable having understanding is about ourselves and others and how pleasant words promote instruction and how they can be sweet and healing. How is it when you talk to somebody? How are you at telling the truth? How are you at receiving the truth? Would someone say, man, that was hard, but that was needed. That was helpful. So grateful. That was sweet. How can we say it to where it can be heard? I said, two more, I said one more verse, but there's two more problems. This one, be careful who you talk to. I was telling the truth, not to the person. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Can I tell you something about Dave Atkins? Can I? You know, this part, well, what is it? It's serious. Well, go ahead and tell me. Yeah, I don't want, please don't tell anybody. I've only told four people so far. But we've got to be careful that we tell the truth to the person. 
not about the person, because that's now benefiting us again. And the Bible says it separates close friends. You know, um, let me do this. Let me just read the verse and then I'll show you the picture. Proverbs 16.25, last verse here, Proverbs 16.25, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. We see ourselves only so much. Without the help of others' vantage point, we can't see ourselves properly. And you know, I wish I could see my, say I see myself with a 360 view, but here's two animals that do, actually a reptile and a, and a I think that's a dragonfly. No one's got eyes that big. You know, a goat has a slitted pupil versus round. So it can see 320 to 340 degrees around. A human being can only see 160 degrees to 210 degrees with their direct vision, their peripheral vision, and their extra peripheral vision. They can only see 160 to 210 degrees. And sometimes we think we can see 360. Nobody can see 360. Everybody needs help. See that lizard up there? Its eyes are like, move all, like a little swill. Nobody's got that. And then the, the dragonfly right there has got some extra help right there. A little disproportionate size. You know, Michelle and I received some professional counseling while we were on our leave. And I didn't like being there. In fact, I'll just share this with you. It's from a disciple. It was the best money I ever spent. I sat down with her and I said, first of all, I just want to be open. Um, I help, I like, I don't like, I'm not comfortable being here. I'm comfortable helping others, but I'm not comfortable being here. And I don't like the word healing and therapy. Now I've said it and I feel better, so let's go. But little did I know that I just needed help seeing some things about me and how I viewed the world and how I treated people and how I was in my marriage and how I was in my kids. That I just need extra help seeing myself properly and understanding myself. And I'm so thankful that this disciple with the Scriptures helped me see myself and hear the truth in a great way. It's helped me heal and Michelle heal a lot. And I'm grateful for it. I didn't like being there out of my pride. And I didn't have to be there. I wanted to be. Kind of. But I learned just on why I respond the way I did. Certain things trigger me. And why this and that. It was really helpful because it's, things are triggering me. I go, stop. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. And you don't have to act that way. Stop it. And it would just help me process things more spiritually and more properly. But I'm grateful for it. You know, during the leave... I was asked, and I totally understand why, and I'm very grateful to get with everybody that was on staff and ask them, hey, here's, share with them what I'm learning and ask what they see. I have a steno pad that's about half full of everything they said. And let me tell you, it was very hard. It was very humbling. It was very, it hurt. But it wasn't hurtful. It was helpful. Because I can only see myself 160 to 210 degrees with my eyes. I don't know what my range is spiritually, to be honest. Maybe it's le less limited than that. And same thing with you. And I realize that there's a spectrum. When you hear things, you can go to the spectrum of self-pity at one side, which I did. Or you can go to the other side of the spectrum, which is pride, which I did. 
God wants us right in the center. Not full of pity, not full of pride. Neither. To listen to Him and to receive it in a way that would be helpful. And I ask people, hey, tell me how I've affected you. And I had many moments where I did the, wow, inside. Wow, really? I affected them that way? No way. Really? And then another one, I had a lot of, I thought that, I mean, Andy and I were talking the other day, and I'm like, okay, Andy, I was told I don't listen well, so am I listening right now? Because I want to know. And I wasn't being funny or sarcastic. I go, can you tell me if I'm not listening? Because sometimes I think I am and I'm not. Would you tell me? Would you help me? Stop me along the way? It was really hard, but it was helpful. And I've had many moments where I had some great self-realization. Here's some questions for thought as we close. And if you'd like to know what those are, you can come talk to me, and I'm more than glad to share, share with you. Who's in your life right now consistently expressing love on a truth level? If nobody, you're missing out. We all need people in our lives that have spiritual discernment that can help us. Who would it be? If it's only somebody you talked to six months ago, that's not accurate. There's nobody. Make sure you have people in your life consistently that will express love on a truth level and that you set that environment. Two, will you let someone in? Will you let someone in love help you learn from God's Word about His truth, about Him and yourself? These are questions for reflection. This is you asking these questions to yourself. And finally, what area do you need to grow in? Telling or receiving the truth? He had in a book, I'm not going to go through it, but he had in a book the exercise where you sit down with somebody and go, okay, I'm going to make a list. Same as, less of, more of. Same as, here's the things you're doing really good, keep it going, same as. Here's some things we need less of of you. And here's some things we need more of of you. I thought, what a great, practical, non, uh, you know, in a non-vindicative type way, helping somebody grow. But what a great exercise. And just I want to close with this quote. Truth has no special time of its own. It's our, it's always now. Let's be a people that decide to speak and receive the truth. Amen.